Hi, I'm Frank Homer. And I'm Laurie O'Neill. We are are the the founders founders of The Business business Hive. Our podcast is centered around proven practices within the current business environment. Our discussions seek to bring out the best in real estate agents to improve and grow their businesses through the sharing of knowledge. Business acumen has always been my passion, and I have a strong intellectual curiosity to learn new strategies and tactics in the ever-changing world of business. I'm passionate about growing the production and the businesses of agents to make their lives better. My one thing is to affect people's lives in a positive and powerful way that will benefit them for generations. Join us as we explore the latest trends and topics for growing your business. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Lori. Ah, guess what time it is this month? What time is it? It's numbers month. It's numbers time with Nick. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Hi, good Nick. morning. Welcome back, Nick. Thanks for having me again. Always. Our pleasure. Okay, let's get started. Let's jump in. Uh, These are February months, just to remind our listening audience. Correct. Um, So so again, even though we're in March, just to remind the audience, we're always 30 days behind. So the numbers we're going to talk about uh, today are for February, um, kind of running around the same trends that we've already seen. Again, everything stemming from lack of inventory. Um, National Association of Realtors uh, for February, some of the highlights that they had posted was that um, February existing home sales fell to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 6.02 million. Um, So basically what that means is um, sales were down nationally by 7.2% from January and uh, year over year, uh, we were down 2.4%. So, you know, we had, we're, we're continuing to have little fluctuations, um, little hiccups, because technically month over month, we were up last month, January's numbers were up like 6%, but we're down 7% this month. So it seems like we keep having these little corrections um, in terms of, of the numbers. Um, And part of that, again, is because of inventory. Uh, They found, National Association of Realtors found that um, the unsold, the inventory of unsold existing homes was slightly increased to 870,000 this past month uh, for February. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's only 1.7 months supply of inventory based off of the current rate. So though that number has gone up a little bit, that that properties nationally are sitting a little bit longer. It's still only 1.7 months. So if everybody decides tomorrow that they're not gonna put their home on the market and we can only sell what's left, whatever inventory that might be, it means we've got enough homes to sell to people at the current rate for a little over one and a half months, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy, you know, that that's, that's all we got. Um, but again, from what we've seen, the median sales price of those existing homes. Uh, now this is national numbers. So keep in mind that nationally, um, before the pandemic, you were usually looking at an average of 250,000 was the average selling price for a home across the nation. Now we're a little insulated in Mercer County and Princeton where our price points are substantially higher in a majority of our areas. 
Um, but nationally, the, the price point was around 250000 This past month, the existing home sale price rose to $357,300, up 15% from a year ago. And that they marked it as the, the 120th consecutive month of year-over-year -year price increase. Wow. So, so as much as we talk about the pandemic and it's been two years since we've been able to do stuff, this is the longest running streak of, of consecutive month over month increases in the median sales price, which, you know, is great if you're sold. It's great if you're a listing agent that is selling. It's a little daunting that you've gone 120 months straight of, an of a median sales price going up, which eventually, as we all know, whatever goes up must come down. The question is, how much is it going to come down? When is it going to start coming down? And truthfully, my concern would be if you see 120 consecutive months of a price point coming down because there's suddenly another shift, what's that going to do to the market as a whole? Hmm. You know? Food for thought um, there. So 120 months, is that like 10 years? <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of... It's a lot of months. That's for sure. Um, right. All right. So, so the inventory shortage is deepening at this point. Yeah, we yes. still have a, we still have a buyer demand that has not been satisfied. So as inventory goes to market, it goes quickly. Uh, I also think we're going back to our seasonality where we're seeing if we were to compare this year over last year, we're seeing a little bit more coming to market, Nick as we would have because it's more seasonality? Uh, yes, and I'm okay. also seeing on a, a, we're seeing a little bit more come to market. Um, I think you have found now, if you've been watching the market in your local area, you have agents now that have figured out how to play the market. So whether it's coming soon, that they're holding for the 14 full days to get 65 offers to come in when it's ready to go live, whether it's, um, you know, as soon as it goes live, highest and best are due by the end of the weekend or within a couple of days. Um, you're also seeing a lot more of, of um, or on the back end, I am seeing a lot more um, internally uh, off-market deals. Okay. So this is, this is, and you're seeing it talked about if you watch any of the social media for realtors, if you're reading the articles, there are a lot of people working these deals where they have the seller. The sellers don't want hundreds of people walking through their properties. They don't want to be in crazy multi-bid situations. They're trusting their real estate consultants, their realtors to go out there and find them a fully qualified buyer. And you're seeing a lot of deals being worked that may never make it to the open market, which as long as the seller agrees to it is allowed. So as long as the seller is agreeing that they don't want to have it out there for the general public, you can market internally to your brokerage. You can market internally to your client base. You know, you also have a lot of agents that were prepping for the season. I know of a number of agents that, that have three or four listings that are all ready to come on that they were prepping for the last couple of months for the seasonality that we're seeing again mm -hmm. to make sure that their clients can get the top dollar in a top dollar market. 
you know, so how many of those are sitting out there where we may see a big influx of, of listings come on mm -hmm. that are going to go off just as quickly, but you may see, you know, a, a blowout extravaganza weekend where you have 10 or 15 listings come on in an area and they may be all off by Monday or Tuesday, but you got to move quick. You know, I think this streams back to what we've talked about in previous um, podcasts in terms of education. You've got to be prepared and educated as to what you need to do to get that contract to the table or make sure you're getting top dollar for your client if you're the listing agent. We're not in a market where you have time to educate yourself before you can pull the trigger on writing a contract or negotiating or putting it on the market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? So a couple things nationally, and then I saw some stuff locally I wanted to also... Um, discuss but just nationally again looking at some of the um january data from the from the national association of realtors just in terms of home prices say at or at or about the end of 21 20 beginning of 22 uh the average annual home sales price was around 347 at the end of 21 uh the curve would have been around 343,000. so that's the first time and and even with the 10-year run-up in prices that price is actually back to where the line was, the curve, where it left off in 2007 and 2008. Now, we're, we're above that curve now, only a few percentage points at the end of 21. However, if things continue to escalate the way they have been for the rest of 22, you know, we could be looking at, you know, 10% uh, above where the line should be. Um, and that's like, to your point, Nick, around, you know, when and where that correction is going to occur. The other thing, you know, is affordability. So it got slightly worse in 21, again, due to rising home prices and mortgage rates. Um, not sure that's really going to improve this month. Um, so I guess at this point, you know, everybody's talking about there's going to be some kind of correction. You know, the question is when. So the, the whole point, I guess, is to be prepared for that next market while still managing, you know, through this one. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about inflation a little bit on the last podcast. We just started to touch on it. I kind of wanted to uh, clarify or some of that information. So looking at inf inflation from let's say 89 to 2020 uh, and adjusting from 2021 to 1989 to 2021, adjusting for um, inflation, cars went up 30% uh, in cost, gas up 56%. That's it? <laughs> so, well, <laughs> At the end of Come on, that was, that's it? <laughs> yeah, that was before uh, the latest. Uh, but here's what's interesting around the housing market. The home prices are up 50, 58%, 59%. However, mortgages are, are down 24%. So it's cheaper to borrow money. The house has got more expensive, but it's cheaper to borrow money. But it's still a, a gain of around 39% you know, percent, uh, over that, 35% uh, over that that same time period. Wages, of course, do not keep pace with inflation. And, no, they do not. <laughs> and, they're, and they're only up around 13, 14%. So, you know, the cost of everything is basically doubled, um, you know, what our, what our wages have um, adjusted for inflation, you know, again, from 89 to 21. So um, just so many things continuing to, so many variables are going to continue to impact the local uh, markets. Um, and speaking of local, you know, I don't know if you took a look at, um, maybe we could touch on Mercer County real quick. Um, you know, looking at single family and townhouse condo, that data seems to have been moving pretty much in line, but take a look at the active, at the adult communities. 
adult communities jumped up 58, I'm sorry, 55.8% median sales price from 21 to 2022. The, the single family median sales price is 354. So, you know, what does that look like now? Somebody wants to downsize out of the, out of the, the family home and they're going to sell a house at 354 and buy a house at 529. I, I don't know how that's going to work. Um, obviously, townhouses and condo, that's the more affordable ones. We don't have enough of those. Um, but it, it's interesting. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're looking to, you know, downsize in, in our local area, you're most likely, you know, you're going to have to consider moving out of the area. Or maybe you can't go into the adult community. Maybe you're going to have to go back into a townhouse condo, um, you know, style of, of, of home. Um, well, it, it's interesting you bring that up too, because as so as an SRES, as a senior real estate specialist, um, you can see too in this for Mercer County that you know the number of new listings is up, um, and the number of closed sales is downs for active adults. Because again, like we've talked about on some previous podcasts, where you used to have individuals decide to downsize and keep a home in the area, and then keep a home somewhere else. I'm finding more and more, even clients of mine that I've worked with in the past, they're just saying their family can come to them. They're not even looking for another active adult or a smaller unit in the area. They're, they're taking all their money and they're going to Florida or they're going to the Carolinas or they're going somewhere where they may get a little more bang for their buck, even though prices are high there as well. And they're just telling their family, well, take a vacation and travel to us. We're not going to keep coming up to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, just to be clear, the New Jersey statewide average for adult community is far less than the 529. That's just local Mercer uh, statewide. It's it's back in line, uh, probably in the in the threes. Um, but it's just that's that's a local Mercer phenomenon with the um, with the run up in the adult community prices. So, and if you look too, if you were to look across, Mercer County is one of the counties that has one of the most has a lot of active adult communities because of the single family home communities being so high in taxes. The way that townships chose to try to keep people in once their kids were out of school was to build these active adult communities and give them a tax break. Mm -hmm. So compared to a lot of other communities out there, if you look like towards the shore, there aren't a ton of active adult communities down south. There aren't a ton of active adult communities like Mercer, um, like Monroe, Cranberry, like yes. around those areas, you see a huge influx of it because of the offset of the single family home prices, again, to try to keep tax dollars in. Um, so we kind of lead the market in terms of active adult for our local area. Um, there's places you, you might go in the state where they don't even know what active adult is if you mention it to them. It's not something that they've ever dealt with. They mm-hmm. think you're talking about like assisted living when you say active adult, active, they don't yes. understand it. Right. Um, but it is. And, and I'm curious to see, too, talking about variables. I'm sure you guys saw interest rates are up to 4.6 for a 30-year. Um, the word on the street is based off of the increase that they're talking about. They're anticipating 5% by May, where they originally thought 5% might be closer to the end of the year. Now they're anticipating it being closer to May that you might see 5% on a 30-year. And, and it may go even higher as they try to adjust for the inflation we're talking about. Um, and every percentage point, a quarter or half you go up, that takes away from somebody's buying power. Sure. You know, which the, which what they're right. hoping is going to adjust sales prices, because if people can't afford to pay these prices, then sellers are going to have to come down. 
again, that shift as to when it will come and how hard it will hit. Um, you know, and, and I think we always forget as well, you have to deal with, with psychological personality. People who have seen this run for two years go, well, now it's my turn to make a bunch of money on my sale, may not want to see that they missed it. Right. Or they're coming on the tail end and they're going to hold on and try to keep this trend going as long as they can. Because now people are going, wow, prices are starting to come down a little bit. I, I better get on this before I miss it. And what does that do? You know, if you have six homes on the same street suddenly come on because everybody was waiting for the first person to pull the trigger mm-hmm. and now they're all mm-hmm. competing against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to your point, you know, these, uh, these Fed adjustments, these rate adjustments are, you know, they take a few months um, for the impacts to be realized. So, you know, the Fed has to move cautiously, raising, raising these, watching the results. Um, obviously, if they raise them too fast, uh, too quickly, it could actually um, slow the growth or cause, cause the growth to, to stall. Um, and we talked about it before, as far as new home starts and construction, obviously that's where a lot of the missing inventory started from back at the end of 2007. Um, in the first couple of years, what started as a a million houses shortage, you know, turned out to be five or 6 million. Um, started getting that back in 2021. Actually, we got back over a million new homes construction starts in 2021. However, that ended up slowing down um, by the end of 2021 as construction slowed due to supply chain issues. So that's kind of interesting. You know, I don't know the answer to this, but something I was thinking about, and I haven't heard it discussed lately, is just you know, looking at the the aging and the, and the turnover of the uh, American you know population, you know, the baby boomers, you know, born between, say, 1940 and 1960 are now, you know, 60 to 80 years of age represents a huge section of the population. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, watching to see what's happening here as people, you know, look to downsize from the single family home in New Jersey and Mercer looks like, you know, they want to go to the adult communities if they're available and they can afford it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, like this whole this whole um, seesaw balancing between maybe you know an aging uh, population that's going to require a different type of housing, you know, versus you know traditional you know new starts of housing. Um, I'm just kind of curious. Like, obviously, the shortfall in inventory is catching up to us at this point, and it's an issue. I'm just curious how it's going to continue to play out as as the baby boomers continue to um, to age out and and the rising the um, uh, the next generations behind them. Obviously, now even millennials are, are becoming a bigger section of the home buying market. Um, yes, they are. Those those estimates are going up. So, a lot of lot of variables here. Just interesting to kind of watch and um, see what happens. I, I think we can all say that we, you know, when you're, you're either at the top or the bottom of the market, you know, there's only one way to go. Um, prices can keep going up. Um, but we know they're going to come down. Mortgage rates, obviously, there is only one place for them to go that was up. New home starts, hopefully, you know, the supply chain will continue to support that. So um, it's interesting. Um, I, I have a, I just want to put a, a, a thought out there. Um, Nick, you mentioned, you know, these off-market transactions and off-market properties. And it certainly has come up in conversation with uh, sellers in that, why wouldn't I want to put it out to the market to get the most money versus an off-market property? Do you ever have challenge challenge around that with sellers, that uh, an off-market versus let's put it out in the marketplace so I can get the most? So personally, as an agent, um, I have had that conversation before. And, and really, 
if you look at the numbers, the numbers are always going to dictate that if you put it out on the open market, you've got the best shot to get the best price mm -hmm. because you're competing with others. Exactly. The one thing you can't quantify is your seller's personal comfort. So, so sometimes it's less about the top dollar and more about, you know, if it's an older couple, if it's a younger couple with kids, if they're working from home, what does the, the inconvenience of showings and the inconvenience of bidding wars and that type of emotional strain cause to someone sometimes will, will dictate if it does go to open market or not. You also have to look at in terms of what did they get it for? Obviously, if they bought it like say three years ago and they paid 300 and, and you know the market is saying they could get four, well, they're gonna wanna go to the open market because um, you know, they're going to want to try to get back and recoup as much money as possible. If you have an older couple that bought land and built the home back in the 1960s, and then they renovated it, and they don't owe a mortgage, and they bought it way back for 50000 and now they can sell it for 450 well, a bidding war top dollar may not matter to them, because then you have to keep in mind every dollar they get, they're paying capital contribution on. They're getting taxed at a higher mm -hmm. level. So mm -hmm. they may have something fiscally that they want to stay under. I've had a number of people recently to try to get around the millionaire tax. They've worked contracts where the buyer is paying $999,999. And then they're paying all of the seller's closing costs and fees and rolling it in so that they're still going to net the amount of money they wanted to net over a million dollars. But now on the books, they don't have to pay the tax. So sometimes also you may want to work a deal where you're not going on the open market because it's hard to get somebody to agree to something like that unless you're working both sides of the deal. So Nick, just as a qualifier for those who may be new to the industry, millionaires tax means? Yeah, you pay, you get over a million dollars, you got to pay a higher tax bracket. Like that's Okay, the way I, I just want to make, because there's also the luxury tax on the buy side that anything over a million dollars you're paying. On the seller side, there's the millionaire, millionaire tax where something over a million dollars. And I've had to advise clients to say, go back to your tax, your accountant and have this conversation. Right. And, and yeah. sometimes too, where people need to look at it in the numbers and this jumps more into accounting, but cap, you know, you got to pay anything that you make on a property, but making on a property air quotes means on paper that whatever you bought the property for, if you sell it for more, you have to pay taxes on the money in between. Now, sometimes you can still walk away from a property with money in your pocket, but on paper, you lost money. Right. So for example, I bought my first townhouse years ago when you were doing the first time home buyer credit. It was on paper for 210. I think the credit at the time was $8,000 from, from President Obama. I got it for like 202. I paid down my mortgage over the course of like eight years. On paper, I sold it for 185 because I bought it high and the market didn't dictate I still walked away with $10,000 because I pay, paid down my principal, but on paper, I actually lost money. So I didn't have to pay additional taxes on the sale of my home because as far as the government's concerned, I bought it for 210. I sold it for 185. I actually lost money. Mm -hmm. Good. But Thank because you. Because I worked the principal and paid extra, 
I, I was able to walk away and roll that difference into purchasing another home. So again, sometimes you'll see properties will be sold off market because of extenuating circumstances, not because it's the best deal, but because they're extenuating circumstances that you're not able to um, negotiate in an open market type of situation. Okay, but, I just want to make sure we have educational moments. Uh, you know, as ALC yeah. education chair, I want to make sure we get those teachable moments. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And again, this is the thing where, like, we're always, as you know, as you stress as educational chair, as Frank is always stressing as our market center's team leader, as I try to stress as the broker, like, constant self education as an agent will only help you educate your clients and make sure that you're the real estate consultant they continue to call. Because truthfully, anybody can go get their license and open up a door. Anybody can go get a license, put a sign in the, in the yard. But it's all the extra stuff that people don't know that good realtors do, which is what gets a property sold for top dollar and as quickly as possible for both sellers and buyers. Mm -hmm. Like it's that education and consulting that we do on the back end, you know, that, that makes these deals stay together and makes them work. And that's why good agents have super high conversion rates. If you think a deal is just writing up a contract and throwing it to an attorney, your conversion yep. rates, you'll get some through, but your conversion rates will be very low and you will constantly be feeding your database in terms of high leads to contacts because that's that's not what it means to create an organic database of people that will continuously come back to you year after year. Good point, good point. Um, you know. Yeah, all good points. You know, you mentioned uh, luxury in there a little bit. I was just looking at, um, again, NARS data, and I believe this is national. Um, you know, strategically, um, if you look at price points, 100,000 to 250 represents about 23% of the market, 250 to 500K is about 43, 500 to 750K is about 17. So between 100,000 and 750, you could really, that's over 80% of the market. So you know, strategically, um, if you're working in any of those prices, you know, obviously you got a big a bigger opportunity. The luxury side, you know, is a smaller section, the million dollar plus smaller segment, about 6% of existing home sales mm -hmm. um, by price range. And however, you know, not to be ignored is the run-up in, in the world's wealth, uh, the world's wealth, wealthy um, individuals with high net uh, wealth has gone up almost doubled in the past uh, 10, 10, 20 years. So they have money that they want to allocate towards strategic investments. And so whether you're helping seniors or helping first time home buyers or helping the wealthy, um, I think to Nick's point, it's about being the, uh, the local economist of choice, that local um, economic expert who's able to, you know, and who's monitoring, studying this and is able to share it, you know, with their clients and, and customers um, in a way that they can, you know, act upon the information. What's really interesting is that with all of the technology we have, with all the internet, people are coming back to their real estate professionals more than ever for help in the process. So, yes. um, so, so we're, so take heart. Um, we're still in, in this, in this fight, um, regardless of the markets, there's still an opportunity for you to thrive in the markets. Uh, it's just a matter of paying attention to the numbers and being strategic yes. about it. Agreed. We are advisors. We come with a toolkit and a whole host of solutions, recommendations, 
And don't be afraid to say, I don't know, and go find out the answer. There's a resource, resources in our office, uh, you know, that for, you know, experienced, if it's, if it's something you haven't experienced before, you'll learn the experience now, but you can be greatly advised with the team back at the office. You're not alone. We have a team at the office supporting all agents who work out of KW Princeton. I think it's important to note that. I think it's also important to note that, you know, along those same lines with the team and all that, and we've talked about it before and, and we've had classes on it. Um, what is your value proposition? Like your value proposition is what you're going to your clients with. This is the value that you're bringing to them as they're real estate consultant, as their economist, as their stager, as whatever it is that you're bringing to them, whatever your value proposition is, like that's what you need to define. And it can change. It can change on a weekly basis. It can change on a quarterly basis. It can change as your business grows. But if you're not sure what that even means, if you're not sure what you're bringing, then, then yes, you need to come to the team at the office. You need to come and talk to us you know, we just had a, a, I think, a very successful business planning session this past weekend where we helped agents start to see that, like pick their tools and decide their focus and what they were going to do to come and, and take their business to the next level or just launch their business. You know, it, it's, uh, it's the, sometimes the difference, too, that I always tell people and you see it all the time. Just because you're a restaurant that's been in business for 20 years doesn't mean you can't have a new grand opening. Great you know, point. You see, you see it with casinos. A lot of casinos will have a soft opening, work out the kinks, and then have a grand opening. And they may do that a couple of times. Just because you've been a realtor that just started or a realtor that's been in the business for 10 years doesn't mean you can't have a new grand opening. Doesn't mean you can't rebrand yourself and your message to say, hey, this is my new value proposition. And go out there and, and use the numbers to be strategic and say, this is what I'm going to go after. And and have those fierce conversations with yourself each quarter or each month to say, hey, what did I do? What was my return? And what can I do differently to take it to the next level or increase that return? If you're not having that conversation with yourself, then, then, then you truly aren't owning your business. You're just going along with the flow. Like be an owner of your own business and, and, and be accountable to yourself and have a fierce conversation and have somebody you can vent to. If you're in, in our office, you can always vent to me. You can vent to Frank. You can come and tell us what your issues are and we can talk you through it or we can just listen and let you talk it through yourself. But you know, if you're not having those conversations, then it's, it's, it's something you need to start having, especially now because if we don't continue to increase our value proposition, you're going to have technology, you're going to have other, you know, market instigators are going to come in and try to take your business. And it's not always the new kid on the block. It's not always the new realtor. It could be something you don't even know, like Amazon could come in and take a business without them knowing it. Yes. Like, you know, Barnes and Noble never thought that something like Amazon shipping books was going to come in and crimp their numbers the way they did until it was too late. And they were behind the eight ball when it came to online orders and shipping. Okay. We're not going to let ourselves be, you know, that, but you need to, but that means why we have this podcast to put this information out there, to put those numbers out there, to show what we're doing. So, you know, don't be afraid to have a conversation. Excellent point, Nick. Excellent point. I Thank think you, we Nick. should end on that. 
I think there we should go. end on that. That that is we have to take that and we have to let that resonate, absorb it and let that resonate. Thank you, Nick. My pleasure. Thank you, Frank. Thanks, Lori. Thanks, Nick. Well, that's a wrap for today. And until next time. Keep it buzzing.